please become a Patreon and support the show. Merci. And now our host, Stephen Lee Morris. She grew up outside of Boston, studied in Boston with Improv Asylum, where she also worked. She worked at several venues in Boston <clears throat> before traveling to Los Angeles to study with the Groundlings, eventually to join the company of the Groundlings. She is now a Groundlings alumni and uh, is a teacher there. She is directing the Groundlings latest show, Groundling on Elm Street, which performs at the Groundlings Theater on Melrose Avenue through Thanksgiving. Lisa Shurga, welcome to Animal Farm. Thank you so much for having me. We have not had a sketch comedy expert on this show. We tend to be much, much more serious. And I thought we've really got to lighten up. Um, <laughs> so um, we're turning to you okay. to, to, for lightness. But as we were talking before this recording, and there's actually some stuff that is not only very funny, but is also quite connected and tethered to the more stodgy kinds of theater that, uh, that, that I in particular tend to support. So yeah. let's tell us about, you grew up in um, Rockland, Massachusetts, which is about 20, right. 20 minutes south of Boston. Mm -hmm. And you started your own uh, acting career through your own propulsion. How did that work? Uh, well, you know, I started by doing performances in my driveway. There we uh, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, I mean, listen, I, anyone would let me sing for them or what, like I was, I was down my family. I was just constantly trying to do stuff around the house, but my shows, my you were not, shows, you were not 30 years old at this time. No, no, you, you this were is like eight, nine, 10. Very good. Very I good. mean, even younger probably, but I really remember that age as being <clears throat> a time when, um, I really would, I would set up shows. So I would set up these shows in my driveway and I'd set up like every chair we owned, every outdoor <laughs> you know, chair we owned. And, um, and then the only person that would come would be my neighbor, Larry, <laughs> who would read the paper while I roller skated and danced and sang and just and put on a show. And irrepressible, I mean, irrepressible. Ir yes. And my mother was always like, God love Larry. Like, <laughs> Because my mother was like, I can't watch anymore. I can't. I have laundry to do. I got stuff to do in here. I can't watch you roller skate all day. You know? So, so this um, was a performance on roller skates. Yes, performances on roller skates. And yep. what would you sing? Well, I would. Uh, God, the singing could be anything, but really, what I remember uh, is that I would work out acts to. At the time, I had uh, the Lionel Richie cassette. Um, I forget which album it was, but it had the song Hello on it. And I would act out that video where the blind woman is, she's molding clay and um, then she feels Lionel Richie's face. And um, so I would act that out on roller skates. And for an audience of one, did you ever get more than Larry show up? Yes, I have great family. So sometimes my grandparents could drive. <laughs> so they were like 20 minutes away. But occasionally my mother were like, she's got a show today. She's really making a thing out of it. My grandparents would show up or my aunt and uncle would show up. Um, so yes, yeah, sometimes I would get other, <laughs> other people. Did you um, market your own show to the neighbors or was that? I sometimes I would make little invites and I would deliver them, hand deliver oh, them. Oh, okay. And yeah, but nobody ever came besides, no neighbors showed up ever besides Larry. They'd be like, no. thank you. Yes. No. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like um, starting a theater in Los Angeles. I don't think it's any different. That's right. It's really slow going in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then um, you did you did theater in high school. Let's just, just yeah. tell us so a little I, bit about that. I did. Um, uh, yeah, I did the musicals in high school. It's funny, you know, I didn't do the musical. I forget what it was my freshman year. Um, I was kind of scared, actually, of doing it. I, I think I had this feeling in my guts, like, I think I wanted to do it so badly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be on stage and perform so badly that it was the, it, it was really a scary kind of feeling, like, um, I, I just remember the nerves of it, you know, like, yeah. um, and so the first one I did, I, I kind of built up the courage it was Annie. And I just loved that musical as a kid, you know? And so I was like, I have to go out for Annie. So I played one of the orphans. I played Pepper. Um, and to this day, I remember the show opens, I think it opens with hard knock life. Hmm. And I remember being, we had these beds lined up and the curtain was closed. And I just remember laying in that bed waiting for the curtain to open and going like, can I run? Can I, can I get the heck out of here? Like, this is terrifying. I hated it. Um, and then it was like, lights up, we're going. And I was like, oh my God, I love this, you know? But I've never, ever felt so much fear. Um, yeah, so I always remember that. Yeah. And then we did uh, uh, Bye Bye Birdie. And I got to play Kim McAfee. And then I uh, we did... Um, once upon a mattress and I did not get the lead in that. And I did they ever to. do like death of a salesman or something without songs? Yes, they did. And I had nothing to do with it. I was like, no, <laughs> thanks. If I'm not singing, I'm out. Uh, yeah. I didn't understand what would be enjoyable about acting without music. Interesting. I just didn't understand it. I was like, I don't know why anybody would want to do that. So yeah. So I'm sure there was, there, I know they did a play in a musical every year. Yeah. And I just don't even know what those plays were. I should look back and try to find out what I missed out on. <laughs> and then you went to college and um, established, you know, kind of a career in Boston. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I, um, yeah, I did. I did theater in call. I did musicals in college, and then I finally um, broke out and did a actual play and realized, oh, I like this no matter what. I like it whether I'm singing and dancing or not. Like it's, it's, it's fun either way. And your feet finally touched the ground. Yeah. I mean, I really yeah. felt like, well, oh, you mentioned what the play was. Um, do, do you remember? Barefoot in the park. Barefoot, okay. That's my first, my first play without music was barefoot in the park. And, and, you know, the, the guy who cast me, uh, it's dear friend, Bob Vernon, and he, was my director through uh, college. And I mean, I'm a little bit of a um, kind of, I can be uptight and like high energy. And he just, he typecast me and it was great. I was like, oh, I want to play these types of characters forever. You know, it was really fun. And um, you had mentioned um, a kind of a big audition in Boston that put, put you sort of in the, in the, in the circle of at least some of the local and regional theaters in the Massachusetts area. That's right, the stage source auditions. So there are these big auditions that happen in Boston every year and you audition in this, God, it was, I forget where it was, but it was huge, you know, in a big theater for, and all the theaters come and watch you. So you get to kind of do one audition and then different theaters can call you back. Um, 
for, you know, a uh, second audition. So I prepared a, a dramatic piece, a comedy piece, and I sang a little bit and I did that audition um, and I got some good calls. And one of them was from the Improv Asylum in Boston. There we go. And, yeah. And I was like, what? These people are crazy. They don't know what they're doing uh, because I've never done improv. Um, sure. I did a little bit of a comedy piece, but I just, I just didn't get it. And so uh, I wasn't going to go uh, to the audition. And my boyfriend at the time reminded me what I had said, which is that all auditions uh, are important because you learn, you know, you learn at them and you should go to every single one, even if you don't want to do it. And I was like, I did say that I'll go. And so I went um, and at the audition was so much fun. It was scary, but really fun. And uh, they hired me. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Uh, and it was a paid gig. And I was like, it was my first, you know, paid acting gig. And I was learning on the fly. I wasn't great at it. I'll be honest. Like I wasn't great, but they just saw potential. So while I was performing on their main stage, I, they also had me signed up in the classes. This is so, so this is so smart of them. Yeah. This so so I was learning, learning as yeah. I was doing. Um, and it was it was so immersive that I felt like it was just a few months uh, or so. And I was like, oh, I think I get this and I really like it. And I think I'm pretty decent at it. And mm -hmm. um, and from then it was just, you know, I, I think I was there for a few years and it was just nonstop fun and uh, and really feeling like I had found my thing. And then you came to LA because, as, as you described it, uh, you know, <clears throat> opportunities in Boston exist, but they're uh, the, at a point they kind of not run out, but they're mm -hmm. constricted. Yeah, they're far and few between. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I did my, I did my, uh, I got my SAG card doing background work and stuff like that. But that was kind of the most kind of work there was, you know. So you came to. LA and you have built yourself up quite an extensive um, repertoire of television credits but mm -hmm. um, that's not how it started. Um, no it started it started uh, I mean it was it was great moving out here but man it feels like it took me a while to if get I can frame this this is two, about 2003 when you showed up around there. Yeah that's right I came in 2002 I started taking classes at the Groundlings in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, and actually part of what pushed me to come was, you know, 9-11 had happened um, in 2001. And I had been thinking about moving and what am I gonna do next? And I do remember having this thought, like, what am I waiting for here? Like, it just, life felt like you should mm -hmm. just go do it, you know, go do the thing you wanna do, like it's precious. And so it really um, pushed me. So. Basically, the end of 2001, um, I started kind of thinking of it. And then just suddenly, I think it was like in October or November, I went, I'm going to LA. And I just got ready and I packed and moved, I think, and it was January or February of 2002. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And then just came out and um, started taking classes at the Groundlings about, I, I took my time uh, about a year later. I was trying to like get my feet under me and um, <clears throat> yeah, and went up through the ranks and really, though, didn't start working. And, you know, I didn't have good representation or anything until I made it to the Sunday company of the Groundlings when, you know, people come and see you. So casting directors come and see you and agents and managers. And I finally got like a great commercial agent and I got a theatrical agent and, you know, started to really audition. Uh, and then it felt like 
the momentum started and I started. So the agents actually do show up. They do. Or did or do. They did. I mean, I don't know. Since COVID, who knows? I think, I think they, yeah. So um, yeah, they would do, matter of fact, Sunday Company every year has an industry night. Um, It's really, I think it's actually fun for industry. They all get to see each other. We put, we, you know, we serve them wine and cheese and, you know, and, um, and yeah, they're usually pretty packed. I mean, the people in Sunday Company are really like the up and coming comedians in LA. So it's, it's smart for them to come and check them out and see, and see, you know, who's who's in the pipeline uh, at the ground. And it is a pipeline because you said the next week you see a whole bunch of them on TV shows or in pilots or whatever. I mean, it's really, I always say like any, I, we have some managers who are, um, and agents who are regulars at these shows and they'll even see earlier shows. Like we have, um, it's kind of our third or fourth level is like a writing level. And sometimes uh, they'll want to come and even see that. I mean, these are people really kind of early in their groundlings uh, career but I'm always like, these people are so smart because they'll grab somebody up, you know, as they're coming up the ranks and, and then, yeah. And then I'll see those people, you know, the next year and they're in a pilot or something. And I, you know, they're just, they're, it's very talented people come up through the ground. So, so in 2007, you are in a, you are in the company, you, you are working yeah. and, and established and now you, you're a teacher and an alum. So, yeah, I became an alum just uh, months ago. So yeah. um, basically, I was thinking about becoming an alum uh, right before the pandemic hit. It was I was just about to do it. And then it felt really weird to do it during the pandemic because it was like, well, we're not there. Any, you know, I just felt like we were in a bubble yeah. and, um, yeah. and we were trying to save the theater, really. I mean, we were doing figuring out Zoom shows and we were... Um, uh, you know, we were just f- trying to find all of these things to engage people online and teach online and work all that out. Um, that it just felt like, well, this feels like a crappy time to leave my company. So I hung yes. in there. And as soon as we were back up and running, I did, I actually did our first show back, which was amazing and joyous. And it was, it was great. Lots of tears and joy. And then the next day I resigned. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm out. Uh, yeah. So the nice thing about the alumni is they're still family and they're still considered groundlings, you know, the groundlings for life. It's kind of like, if you're the president, you're always called president. Um, and so, you know, I get to be really involved in the community. I still perform a little bit and now I get to direct. Which is right. Right. Now I've seen quite a few groundling shows and um, what occurs to me first, the styles can vary a lot. There, mm-hmm. There's almost a kind of macabre, grotesque humor in the characters <laughs> in some of them. I still remember one guy, one guy, I remember he was playing a serial killer and he had his, I think he smeared his entire face, not just his hair, but his entire face with Vaseline. Oh. <laughs> it was, and that's exactly what the audience, the minute the lights came up and that was the collective groan from oh. the audience. Oh, and, I don't know that one, now I'm dying, I gotta look that one up. Oh, it was fantastic, oh. it was so gross. And yet others are, are, are singularly lighthearted, uh, but it does seem like the shows themselves follow a fairly pat formula. And the trick, I guess, is to see what can break through the seams of that, of, of that. The, the, there's a kind of tape that holds it all together. And can, yes. can these actors push through the tape and stretch it a little bit so you get a different kind of show? And I'm just wondering if that observation is valid or if this is just my um, predisposition. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that 
you know, uh, I've said this to students before, because sometimes a student will say, uh, like, are you familiar? I don't know if you're familiar with Steve Little, um, who, okay. So he was somebody who could play really weird characters. He was, he could have been the Vaseline guy for all I know. Um, and students would say, well, they, you know, might put up a sketch and show me a sketch and, and, um, and it's really out there and I can't connect to anything uh, that's happening. I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on though. Like, I'm trying to do something like Steve Little does. And I was like, but he's Steve Little. And yeah, what yeah. I mean by that is that he's been doing this a long time. And I think you get to break rules when you have the rules so down like, you know, the rules and you know how to stretch them because you've been doing it for so long, you know? And so I do think that comes when you've done sketch comedy a really long time. I think you can start to, and some people are innately great at it. They don't, they don't need a long time. They're like, I have an idea and it's like, whoa, it's so good. And it's so weird, you know? Um, but some people, it takes a minute to figure out, wait, what are my boundaries? How do I push them and still keep the audience on my side and, and, and stick with me through this, um, but yeah, it's, I do think it's a little bit of a balancing act for sure. Now you have, when you do a, when they do a groundling sketches, they're scripted, but not really. It's kind of somewhere between a play and yes. improv. It's neither, it's neither play nor imp, pure improv because there are guideposts. That's, that's really clear. Um, how does this work? What's the guiding principle when you teach? This kind of comedy so uh, it is <clears throat> when you start when we start with the sketch it's fully written it is every beat is written mm -hmm. as the sketch runs in a show it gets looser and looser because what happens is, is you may um exchange a line for another line change it up a little bit here and there and then you go oh that worked better now i'm keeping that line mm -hmm. um or oh, I missed this whole section and it worked better. I'm losing that section. Um, so that's where I think the improv comes into play within a sketch is that you do the sketch as written, but you keep it loose. And the more you know the sketch, the looser you can be with it mm -hmm. and continue. Because I think that's the great thing about our sketch shows. If you see a show first weekend out and you see it the last weekend out, the changes will be, there'll be so many differences because the actors will have continued to, um, to make the material better just by playing in the moment, you know? Um, so that's kind of, so you start with a really, you know, scripted, you know, and we still think of, you know, I would say like when you're writing a sketch, you're just, you're still thinking of any other format, pilot, movie, you still want a beginning, middle and end. You know, you still want uh, your character to go through an emotional shift of some kind, you know, let have them go through something or care about something or, you know, and then if you have all that structure there, you can, um, it makes it easier to do really, bizarre weird characters because the more of an anchor you have to like um mm. to real emotions to actual uh actual feelings that's going on then you can kind of push the boundaries more so the anchor is actually is a source of liberation in a way i think so yeah i think so if you can if you can tune into like my favorite thing to do has always been to kind of play characters that are very close to me as far as let's say if I'm a, a person who's, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about like what people think of me. Right. So then I might pick a character that feels that way, but the difference between me and that character is the character will say it out loud, <laughs> you know, like, what are you thinking of me? I feel mm -hmm. like, I feel like you don't like me. What's going on. Um, you know, it's like the stuff we're saying in our heads, but we don't want to say out loud. Yeah. I just, it, you get to say it as a character. And I think when people do that as their character, it always, it works a lot of the time because the audience can really relate 
to those kinds of feelings, whatever they might be. They're just human feelings. I'm wondering if uh, it's just a theory that the reason the, the, the groundlings are su success, and, and, I, and I don't mean success in terms of get, launching the careers of their actors, but success in terms of you get droves of audience who come up from Orange County and from all other surrounding counties just to see this kind of comedy in the flesh. Yeah. yeah. If that isn't a reason, has it to do with it's a specific kind of comedy that is absolutely character based. And I was wondering if you could expand on that. Um. Well, I think it's 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 the character based comedy and but I think it's also you're getting from a lot of the sketches, not all of them, because, you know, we do you love a good Vaseline face covered sketch like you're mentioning. There's, it's fun to have those mixed in. But in a lot of these sketches, you're getting kind of a full release in five minutes, like a full story. Mm -hmm. You know, when you watch a great movie and you get to go like, oh, that was great. Like I, I got to go on this hour and a half journey, but you're getting it in a five minute. If it's done really well. And I think that it is mm -hmm. something the Groundlings is good at. Then you get that journey within a five minute sketch or a four minute sketch and you get it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get multiple and then in between those, you get something very weird that you didn't expect that maybe doesn't have as much of a journey, but it's just like, what's happening? Um, I think that's what does it. I know for me that that's what I like when I go, you know, even just see a play or um, a musical or whatever it is. Like I'm, I'm interested in the journey it takes me on. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and ours is like, hopefully a mix. Each one is a mix of a lot of laughter. And then also maybe that feeling of kind of rooting for somebody, rooting for the character or for whatever the situation is, or just feeling like, oh God, I've been through that, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's why. I think that's why it works. I have two final questions okay. in, in sequence. One is what is the worst or most embarrassing moment you have seen on a groundling stage? followed up by what is the funniest and most memorable or important moment you've ever seen on a groundling stage. Oh, wow. Okay. The most embarrassing is my moment. And although I know it's happened, it happened to one other person, but I won't say who they are. Um, I was doing, I told this story before, you're going to be like, um, can we cut and have you tell a different story? Um, <laughs> I, was, I was doing a sketch with Jill Satchoff, who's brilliant. And uh, she was one of my, during, she's an alumni now, but during her time in the company, um, she was just one of my favorite writing partners. You just end up finding people who just, you just get each other in a way. And she was also kind of a muse for me because I found her so funny that I liked writing her material more than my own. I'm like, and then I want you to say this. And then I want you to say that. So we wrote this thing and it was, it was, and we both, she was um, a Broadway actor, Jill was. So she can dance and sing. So we wrote this sing and dance and sketch that was so dumb and she looked crazy and I think what had happened was lights came up and what I didn't know she had done was create a real monobrow going like <laughs> right across <laughs> and so that was the first thing and then the second thing is that sometimes in these sketches you go you have this moment of like what are we doing like what is this and it just makes you kind of laugh well um I wet my pants. <laughs> I wet my pants laughing so hard on stage. And I had on, um, I had on these dance pants, I guess you'd call them. And they were sequins, wide-legged pants. So a drip went right down the side of my leg, hit the stage, and I made contact with an audience member. 
who looked down and then looked up at me and I looked down, <laughs> I looked at them and I, not everybody knew it happened, but there was a few audience members who absolutely were like, I think that girl just wet her pants on the stage. <laughs> so that was super embarrassing. I think you've uh, just defined, <laughs> redefined living hell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh God, I'm so embarrassed. And then I had to come yeah. off and tell the stage managers, um, you might need to do a quick... <laughs> just a quick little mop before the next scene goes out and they were like okay um, so super embarrassing um so what was the second funniest most important yeah that kind of the yeah you either participated in or, or saw yeah or saw um i would you know what's hard for me is just it feels like that for me almost every weekend you know, or truthfully, I am, um, I'm so blown away by who I get to perform with. Um, you know, most recently I was kind of blown away by, I got to direct one of the shows for our, we did a small celebration for 45th mm -hmm. and, uh, my cast was, I think it was like, uh, people from the nineties, the two thousands, the 2010s, like a mix of all of these alumni came in to do a show. And Will Forte was one of them. And he has a really funny sketch he used to do uh, where he's just a, a kid uh, and a spelling bee. And um, he's trying to spell a really easy word. I forget what it is, but he's, he's panicking and he's just saying letters. <laughs> so many letters, P, C, F, 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 R, <laughs> on and on and on. And so, you know, I'm the director of this thing. And, and I, it just, I think it struck me like in rehearsal, I'm such a Will Forte fan. I think he's brilliant and so funny. And he comes out and I'm just like checking the lights and making sure, I mean, I do nothing to direct him, P.S. He's great. Uh, but, you know, just making sure the lights are right, making sure that the mic sounds right. And then just sitting during the rehearsal and it's just me, him and the booth getting to watch him do this sketch. And I was like, this is my life. Like, what a cool life this is. Like, mm -hmm. I'm watching, I'm like the only audience to watch this amazing mm -hmm. scene, you know? And I think those moments, they just mm -hmm. stick with me. Just so great. Lisa Shurga, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This was so nice. Groundling on Elm Street, directed by Lisa Shurga, performs at the Groundlings Theater on Melrose Avenue through Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm.